Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. This is Georgia Today, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm Steve Fennessy. It's Friday, August 21st, 2020. We don't believe that, this, that these exposures occurred in relation to the school activities. From what they, way it was described by everyone, it sounds like their graduation ceremony was kind of done with a way that we would have recommended. It's what happened afterwards. One of Georgia's first school-related coronavirus clusters occurred back in May, in the days after a number of graduates of the Lovett School, an exclusive prep school in Buckhead, started testing positive for COVID-19. This week, Charles Bethay, a staff writer at The New Yorker, discusses the challenges that contact tracers found in getting Lovett parents simply to talk to them and what lessons we're learning or not learning as schools across the state begin to reopen. Charles wrote about the Lovett School in this week's New Yorker. So Charles, for those not familiar with it, what exactly is the Lovett School? Lovett is an expensive private K-12 school in Buckhead uh, with around 160 kids per class. If we're going to generalize, I would say it caters to the city's country club class. And I say that not as a graduate of the school, but as someone who grew up very much in that same social milieu. So you yourself didn't go to, to Lovett? No, I went to Paideia. Okay. But father went to Westminster. His siblings went to Lovett. Um, yeah, it's it's a... It's sort of a a demographic I'm familiar with. I think Love in particular is known for being especially white, especially conservative, and fairly slow to embrace social change. Uh, Kind of famously, Martin Luther King III was rejected by the school on the basis of race in 1963. Lovett was also the first school in Georgia where there was a known COVID outbreak. Tonight, a local private school says some of its graduates have come down with COVID-19. One Saturday night last May, 11 Alive TV in Atlanta reported the existence of what would soon be called the Lovett Cluster. That the graduates tested positive for the coronavirus. The spokesperson said in part, unfortunately, the infectious nature of the COVID-19 virus means that most communities will be touched at some point. And we recognize how hard separation and missed milestones have been on the emotional lives of our students. The school switched to virtual learning back on March 15th. So they, they resorted, as most schools did, to remote learning. Um, but, but then they had the graduation. Tell us about the graduation. Back in, in May, they had a, a vehicular parade or procession um, where families drove their vehicles with their with their um, kids who attended Lovett around the campus. It lasted something like 45 minutes. Um, none of the public health officials I spoke to were terribly concerned about how that actually happened. We don't believe that, this, that these exposures occurred in relation to the school activities. From what they, way it was described by everyone, it sounds like their graduation ceremony was kind of done with a way that we would have recommended. I talked to Fulton County Health Director Lynn Paxton. 
it's what happened afterward. You know, with, when kids are released and they go out and go, you know, go to parties and all that. There were parties I came to learn as large as 50 people held both inside homes and in backyards. There were also smaller parties. We don't actually know the, like, like many aspects of the story, we don't actually know exactly how many parties there were because very few folks have been willing to participate with inquiries from public health officials and journalists like myself. But um, it's important to note that these parties occurred a few weeks after Governor Kemp had lifted his shelter in place order. Nothing really changed other than lifting the shelter in place uh, for most Georgians. But as they go out, they still must adhere to social distancing and large gathering ban. At this point, the state was, was open for business again. And as one loved father put it to me, attempting to rationalize why these parents would allow their kids to have parties, he said, we don't live in New York, our state was open. So he, he felt like that was sort of the, uh, the, the green light. News came out about this cluster in, in, in late May. It was in the AJC. It was in 11 Alive. That is how Fulton public health officials found out about the cluster? Yeah. So do we know how many students and, and relatives, parents, uh, actually came down with COVID in those days and, and weeks following the graduation and the parties after? So it's at least somewhere between two and three dozen. In an email, the guy just below Lynn Paxton um, at Fulton County Health Department was asked by a member of his team, um, do we have a hard number? This was three weeks into the investigation. Do we have a hard number of how many people at Lovett um, have COVID or, or, or something like that? And he said, there's no, there's no simple answer to that question. And it's important to note, you know, the parties weren't just happening at Lovett. And that's what a lot of the Lovett parents wanted to tell me, and rightfully so. They were happening all over the place. Uh, Westminster, probably Paideia, where I went. But, you know, they seem to be the most flagrant, at least the ones we know about, uh, among Lovett students and families. And those hit the news first. And so it did become a bit of a Lovett story. Welcome back to CBS This Morning. How about some news on getting back to work as more states work to reopen? Knowing who has the coronavirus is going to be key. And one way to do that, it was something called contact tracing. That's about tracking down... Help us understand a little bit about the concept of contact tracing. Yeah, so contact tracing uh, as an idea is, is fairly simple. Investigators um, with county or state public health departments communicate with people known to have an infectious disease, and they learn who have been in close contact um, with the infected, and then they ask those in this wider group to isolate themselves until the risk of infecting others has passed. And you have to move quickly. So Crystal Watson is a senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, and in April, she told NPR that privacy is a critical part of contact tracing. I think people need to understand also that this is going to be important for your health. So imagine that you were in the grocery store, you were near somebody who was actively sick with COVID-19. 
Um, and then you receive a, a text message uh, a couple of weeks later, possibly, to say, oh, you might be, ex you might have been exposed. I would want to receive that text message so I know what to do and what to look out for. And I think we are going to have to accept some trade-offs in privacy um, to try and get this pandemic under control. But privacy is obviously very important. We should minimize any invasion of privacy to the extent we can. So, Charles, a fundamental part of contact tracing is you have to offer up information, private information. So is there uh, or was there some sort of objection on the part of parents to doing that? Yeah, I think I think parents at Lovett were very concerned about uh, questions being asked of them, whether from contact tracers or journalists um, or even the school itself. They weren't sure where and how this information was going to be used. contact information, phone numbers, names, addresses. These things are critical for public health officials to have as they try to trace an outbreak. And in this case, Lovett did offer up quickly names and uh, phone numbers, but the phone numbers proved to be pretty ineffective. When the contact tracers at Fulton County started dialing these numbers, what did they hear? Uh, in some cases, or many cases, they heard nothing but dial tones or answering machines. In some cases, they were politely declined. Um, and I can read, if you'd like, the, the text message yeah. um, that's sort of the most, I, I guess, emphatic denial of a request for information. So, so this is from a Lovett parent to a contact tracer. Correct, yeah. A contact tracer um, reaches out to a parent and says hi, and then uses the name of the parent. I would like to find a way to contact the owners of the two homes where there were gatherings that students attended. Uh, and I think he was referring to the two biggest parties. Is there any way, he continued to text, uh, you can help me contact them? Thanks, Carson. Um, and the parent responds, no. I will not help you. You are a fraud. Leave me and all the Lovett families and kids alone. Get the Lord on board and go volunteer if you have this much time to stalk social media. The entire Lovett family is on to you and your dishonesty. You did not get our names from the nurse. That would be a violation and they would never provide that private info. Please leave us alone. This investigation was more or less wrapped up or perhaps abandoned in early July. I think I faced a lot of the same things that public health faced for many of the same reasons. Um, there, there's a great deal of skepticism, to put it mildly, about um, the news media uh, writ large right now. And I, I dealt with that in this situation, but they were already primed, I think, to, to hang up or to sort of scoff or get upset because of um, the number of calls they'd already received both from media and from public health officials. And so I reached out, you know, roughly a month um, after the, the graduation parties and began a conversation with a guy, the one, the one guy who went on record with me um, with his name, Thor Thornton Kennedy, a Lovett father of uh, a few Lovett kids who himself attended Lovett for some amount of time, um, an old Atlanta guy. 
Good afternoon, this is Thornton. Hey Thornton, this is Charles Buffet. Hey, Charles. Are you doing all right? I'm fine, man. How are you? Good. Oh, well, good. I'm doing okay. Um, I haven't had anybody close to me get a diagnosis like your, your daughter. Is that what you said? Yeah. When I talked to Thornton Kennedy, he told me that his daughter had contracted COVID and she just had another COVID test. She tested negative today. She's got to go one more time. It's in 24 hours. She gets back-to-back negatives. Then we are clear. Good. Charles, your reporting showed that Thornton Kennedy took some issue with a public narrative of the Lovett cluster. I don't feel like this is a specifically Lovett issue. No. I feel like yeah. with the state opening back up again and states opening back up again, teenagers are, are going to get together. Yeah. And so as parents, we need a little ammunition here. It's really hard to get your, like my wife always preaches this, make good decisions, right? Everything you do, make good decisions because they're not always under your nose. We want them to have a little bit of freedom. And with COVID-19, that statement takes on such an amplified message because like making those good decisions, wearing masks, adhering to social distancing, all that stuff is really, really important. Yeah, right. But your kids don't always, they don't always make good decisions. He was one of, one of just a few parents who actually spoke to me. The majority of them just didn't return calls, um, didn't return texts, didn't return messages through other mediums. There was one, one woman I was really hoping to get through to who I had heard had taken part in a next door dialogue in one of these neighborhoods that a lot of Lovett parents, um, this is something I, I didn't include in the story, but a lot of Lovett parents had been debating, I guess, the, the wisdom of having parties uh, in, in, you know, around graduation. In retrospect, woman, there, or, no, no, or before, in advance? No, no, before, okay, okay. in advance, yeah. in, in advance. And this, this mother of a, a Lovett student who had basically spoken up and said, this sounds pretty dumb to me. I, I called her, I got through to her on the phone and she said, she just sounded very hesitant to talk to me even on background and was sort of like, yeah, I think I was just confused and sort of was like, I'll talk to you later maybe. And then I never got through to her again. So, you know, people, it's a, it is a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing, I guess, to be a voice of dissent in a community like this. Um, and I, I wasn't able to find many of those. When we come back, what emails between and among Fulton health officials and Lovett administration revealed about the pressures being brought to bear on Fulton County contact tracers? That's ahead. This is Georgia Today. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org slash podcasts or download it on your favorite podcast platform. This is Georgia Today. I'm talking with Charles Bethay, an Atlanta-based staff writer for The New Yorker. This week, The New Yorker published a story by Charles about the Lovett outbreak. Charles, what prompted you to, to look into it deeper? Because this, was the, this may have been a, a very prominent cluster early on, but, but as we've all known, there have been many, many clusters since then. Yeah, so 
Um, I mean, it was clear from the get-go that an outbreak at a school uh, would be a story worth following, um, particularly a school with so many powerful families connected to it. Um, it became clear this was an excellent way to examine how the pandemic intersects with class, with race, with wealth, and so on, um, and specifically how those factors can inhibit or even completely derail a contact tracing investigation, which is more or less what happened here. Um, I'd written about, as a, as a contrast, I'd written about an outbreak um, before this among a much different community, uh, a predominantly black lower middle class or middle class community in Albany, Georgia, um, where there was uh, an outbreak following funerals um, at the very beginning of all this. And it, it seemed like that one very quickly, a lot of the details were understood and made public about that outbreak. And it seemed important to grapple with why this one seemed to be moving much more slowly, or at least publicly seemed to be moving much more slowly. Not long after the outbreak, you filed an open records request with Fulton County to sort of look at what was happening behind the scenes in the days and weeks after the outbreak. What did it reveal to you? A great deal of, of, of frustration that, that built slowly from tracers who are trained to deal with obstacles, with difficulties, with people hanging up on them. Even for them, given that sort of reality that, that they that they face in other investigations, this one was uh, an order of magnitude more difficult for them. Um, but they nonetheless, you know, they tried to work their way through it. This is a, a contact tracing script that's, that's used in, um, I, I think, calls to, to any school, but this is the one that they originally were, were using with Love It. And it's basically like, hi, my name is blank. I work with Fulton County Board of Health. We were notified of several students and families reporting COVID illness after attending the drive-in graduation. So that's obviously specific to Love It. Blah, blah, blah. We've created a short survey that will help us gather more information about the situation and determine what factors may have led to your child's illness. All of the information you provide will be kept private. You do not have to answer any question you do not feel comfortable answering. So, and it goes on, but this, this script is, you know, it's it's fairly fairly gentle approach, uh, for, to my eyes at least, to, to initiating a conversation with students and parents about what may have happened. And, and yet this was still problematic, evidently, to a number of families because the, the principal, Meredith Cole, still reached out to the tracers and said, hey, can you please dial back the mentioning of Love It, among other things, if you want them to be more responsive. So, Charles, you also spoke to Bill Hennigan, who up until a year or two ago was on the board of trustees at Love It and has had a couple children who have gone through the school. One of the things he told you that you quote in the story is that that kind of shutting down and, and not helping the contact tracers was, quote, more of a buckhead issue. And I'm curious what you took him to mean by that. Yeah, he seemed he seemed to mean that um, that this was something happening more more often in wealthy parts of the city. Uh, so he was he was both trying, I think, to say, look, this isn't just a love it thing, but it's also a Westminster thing, a Holy Innocence thing, a Pace thing, et cetera. And all of those schools, I think, are generally thought of um, as belonging to the wealthy, whitish, conserv conservative-leaning part of Atlanta known as Buckhead. There is some evidence that, uh, and this is from Lynn Paxton, that private physicians were, were brought in to 
consult with some families who didn't trust the school or didn't trust the board of health and wanted just to deal with, with a physician that they probably have known for a long time and that they, they could trust with their diagnosis and with, you know, sort of a, a plan for how to move forward in terms of quarantining, et cetera. Seniors, I want to give you a warm love and embrace and our most sincere congratulations on finishing what could be the most challenging school year in our school's long and rich history. Meredith Cole is the head of Lovett School. She had this to say to graduating seniors in a message released by the school in May. The class of 2020, you did it with style and grace, patience, grit, and compassion. Cole believed that the contact tracer scripts shouldn't mention Lovett specifically. I asked Fulton County Health Director Lynn Paxton why. I think that they felt that somehow being associated with a cluster uh, was bad for the brand. I think yeah. that is the word they used. It's, yeah. it's not good for their branding. When I asked Cole about that, she sort of pushed back a bit on that, the, the branding explanation and said that um, not leading with, quote, are you a Lovett student might provide a better response. Uh, and then Lovett's director of communications chimed in and said the issue was to make sure that, the, quote, those who were contacted did not feel like they were in trouble or being ridiculed in any type of way. So don't don't necessarily link the, the school to the cluster? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, at least don't at least don't lead with that. I see. Don't don't lead with the school. Um, and, and the tracers basically rewrote their scripts to oblige this request, um, which seemed like a, uh, something that probably was out of, out of the norm for them, outside of the norm in terms of how they approach these things. But they, they tried to adapt in real time to a very difficult uh, community of folks um, and went so far as to, to even do something like not mentioning Love It at the outset of a, a contact tracing call. Has this experience um, that the contact tracers have had with Lovett, has it prompted any change in the way that contact tracers, at least in Fulton County or maybe beyond, are are making initial overtures to those who may have been exposed, no matter where they are? My, my sense is that with communities like the Lovett community, and hopefully there won't be you know similar outbreaks at Westminster or Pace or whatever, but... There, there, there very well may be, and I think they're going to be proceeding with a great deal more sensitivity and caution towards a number of these these communities that are easily triggered. Um, they're also they're going to try to really move as quickly as possible, especially with the, with investigations in these communities, knowing that they can really drag on. We're hearing more and more reports of outbreaks that are you know, at least temporarily closing down a lot of schools. What's sort of the the lesson that the Lovett example should have been teaching us? I mean, there's a lot of them, I think. And this was something that, that uh, the parents wanted to point out a lot, um, and as did some of the, the public health officials. But, you know, this sort of idea that kids are going to be kids. And yeah, it's going to be really hard to corral them, really hard to keep them masked, really hard to keep them socially distanced. And then you have, you know, school leaders who are trying to respond to sometimes contradictory directives from local and state and national officials 
trying to juggle all these different um, mandates or suggestions or recommendations. And it's really unclear, I think, how to how to juggle all these things in real time in an unprecedented situation. There's no real playbook for how to deal with this. My thanks to Charles Bethay, an Atlanta-based staff writer for The New Yorker. I'm Steve Fennessy. This is Georgia Today, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. You can subscribe to our show at gpb.org slash Georgia Today or anywhere you get podcasts. Our producer is Sean Powers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.